0: at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life
1: that never ends. Thou shalt show thy son, and that is, saying, this is done. Because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. It shall be for a sign upon thee, upon your hand, for a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt keep this ordinance of unleavened bread, the Passover in his season from year to year. God said, Set apart unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. It is mine. It shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites, as he sware to you and to your fathers and shall give it to you, that you shall set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the mattress, And every firstling that cometh of a beast that you have, the male shall be the Lord's. Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it then you will break his neck all the firstborn of man among your children shall you redeem it came to pass when pharaoh would hardly let us go that the lord slew all the firstborn in the land of egypt firstborn of man firstborn of beast therefore i sacrifice to the lord all that open the matrix being males but all the firstborn of my children i redeem it came to pass when pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led them, the people about, through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Welcome to The Unchanging Word, Radio Bible Study. Our name, The Unchanging
0: Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 19, we hear the Lord speaking to Moses that they were to dedicate their firstborn to God. And this applied to the male sons, especially. And in this passage, the Lord prepares for the questions to come from the future generation of Jews who would be asking the reason and the meaning for the Passover. Now, as we follow what God does with the nation of Israel, we read that he led them away from the short route to the Promised Land and instead led them into the wilderness. He took them toward the Red Sea. Now, God had a plan for doing this. And we will learn more about that in the next few chapters of Exodus. God has a plan for your direction and my direction even now. So can we trust him? Yes, we can. And let's do that. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Exodus chapter 13, verse 1.
1: Good day, friends. Again we come to you and we're studying together in the book of Exodus. We've just finished chapter 12, which has been dealing with the Passover. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. And I would suggest, if you have the time, to read it through a number of times and remember one special thing. It's the Lord's Passover. The Lord has made all the provision necessary for the redemption of a race of people. Just as Jesus Christ has made the provision for the redemption of sinners, wherever they may be. And again, I want to emphasize, it's not our value of the sacrifice of Christ. It's God's value. It's what God sees. I may not understand all that is involved in the sacrifice of Christ. But I am satisfied with one thing, and that is that God has made the provision, and God is satisfied, and he proved his satisfaction by raising his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. This is the guarantee. It's a complete work. And now as I come as a sinner and receive the Savior, I'm redeemed, I'm bought with a price for the purpose of being set free. Not only from the guilt of sin, but from the power of sin. And by faith one can walk with God in obedience to his word, which will be evident in our lives, not only by obedience, but by fellowship and worship the Savior and with each other. Now, when you come to chapter 13, you have something else. We have where the firstborn of Israel, of every family, must be sanctified to the Lord. This is chapter 13, the first 16 verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me, that is, set apart for me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And then you have where Moses, between verses 3 right down through verse 7, you have again uh, the memorial or the feast of unleavened bread. We've already spoken to this, and I'm going to leave it. Now right to verse 8 And thou shalt say, thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. It shall be for the sign upon thee, upon your hand, for a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. for with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt keep this ordinance and is of unleavened bread and the Passover in his season from year to year. And I say again, from about 1500 BC, right down to the present time, the Jewish people as a whole, have kept the Passover the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, in verse 11, I'm going to reread the second verse of the chapter, then go down to verse 11. Sanctify, God said, sanctify unto me, set apart unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. It is mine. Verse 11. It shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear to you and to your fathers, and shall give it to you, that you shall set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix. And every firstling that cometh of a beast shall you ha- that you have, the male shall be the Lord's. Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you will break his neck. All the firstborn of man among your children shall you redeem. And then he tells you afterwards why. Why? It came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, firstborn of man, firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that open the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. Let me just stop here for for a few moments. Here you have an amazing thing. The firstborn belongs to the Lord, whether man or beast. You remember in chapter 12, God slew the firstborn of the Egyptians, whether man or beast. Now says God, I've redeemed you out of Egypt. With a high and mighty hand, I've delivered you. And the least you can do for me is to give me your firstborn to dedicate, to set apart your firstborn unto me. It belongs to me. It's mine. Now remember, it was as a redeemed people that they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread and sanctified the firstborn to God. As I said a moment ago, Egypt's firstborn had been slain. Israel's firstborn has been redeemed and were privileged to dedicate their ransomed lives to the one who redeemed them. My, what a call for us. What a call for us. God has redeemed us from sin, delivered us from the fear of death, translated us out of the kingdom of darkness, made us his children, given us eternal life, all free to everyone, every sinner, who accepts the Savior. Is it a small thing for God to ask of you and of me, that we give ourselves to him. If you had been the firstborn in the family in Israel, wouldn't you feel privileged and honored to be dedicated to God, the one who bought you for himself? I can't help but think of that verse in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul, after giving us the marvelous The story and revelation of justification, of redemption, of propitiation, of our union with the Savior and so on, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. To think that, he comes to chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies wholly acceptable unto God, which is your logical, your reasonable service. And be not conformed. Don't fashion your life according to this world. But fashion your life for the glory of God. Eh? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a new relationship, and might I add, a new responsibility. This is the great need for us today. You say, well, don't you think the Lord asked for too much? Do you think so? If God gave his only begotten son to be a ransom for you and me, is he asking too much of you and me to give ourselves to him that he might be glorified in all that we are and all that we do? Sanctify to me, he said, he said to Moses, the firstborn. Why? They're mine, both man and beast. They belong to me. You mean the beasts also? Well, let me read it. It shall, be, it shall come to pass that when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and to your fathers to give it to you, you shall set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which you have, the males shall be mine. Every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you'll break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among your children shall you redeem. Boy, What do you think of that? Even a, a cult is man put on the same plane as an ass? Well, what do you think? The both need to be redeemed. The both need to be redeemed. Both were under a curse, both man and beast. And just as in e- Egypt, the firstborn of the, of the fa- each family, and the firstborn of the cattle, was slain. Now you give me the firstborn. Are you asking too much of you to give yourself to the Lord. Look at this question about a cult. Instead of a colt, if an ass has a colt, you'll redeem that, that colt with a lamb. So instead of the colt being sacrificed to God, you'll redeem it with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you'll break the colt's neck. You know, a man, you can, just, you can just picture this. Here's a man who's got a colt. I mean, he's got a, an ass. He's going to have his first colt. And when the colt is born, boy, what a beautiful colt. Its legs are straight as it can be. Tail sticks out. as a beautiful, beautiful colt. It hasn't any spasm or crooked legs. It's just a real wonderful colt, perfect colt. And he brings his friends in and says, look at my colt. Isn't that a beautiful colt? It sure is. But God says, that colt is mine. And if you want to keep that colt, you've got to redeem it with a lamb. You've got to slay a lamb instead of the colt if you want to keep that colt. Oh, but it's a perfect colt. Look at that colt. You wouldn't kill that one, would you? God says, you either redeem it with a lamb or you break its neck. It isn't a question of whether it's um, perfect or not. Take its neck, or another Jew may have a first-born colt, and his legs run in all directions, and he comes along to the priest, and he brings a lamb. The colt is coming behind. Nobody looks at the colt; not worth looking at. But it's the only colt the man has. It's not worth looking at. But he's going to redeem it with a lamb. So the lamb is slain instead of the colt. And you know, if I were that cold, what I do, if I had been that cold, been redeemed by the lamb, I would hit for the high timbers, and I'd shout out, I'd neigh as long as they could. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Why is that put in there? Why do you think that's put in that chapter? Why an ass? Why not a cow or something else? No one ass, Non-clean animal. First one that comes out, you've got to redeem it with a lamb. And that lamb is set free. That cult is set free. No longer under the sentence of death. You know, friend, there was a time when I, as a sinner, came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was under the sentence of death. And God provided the lamb for me. And I'm free. Free from the sentence of death. Free from the guilt and penalty and bondage of sin. Free to live for God instead of living for self. Oh, what a, what a life. You know, people say, I met you, if a fellow becomes a Christian, huh, what kind of a life is that? Can't go here and he can't go there. Why, that's a life of bondage. My friend, you've never seen the gospel. You're just speaking out of Ignorance. A man or woman doesn't begin to really live until they accept the Savior. That's when they experience peace. That's when they experience a new life. That's when they come into the knowledge of God personally. A person can have all the degrees of our universities after their names and be totally, absolutely ignorant of spiritual realities, of spiritual peace, a man can be a multi-millionaire, and have everything in this world he wants. He can buy anything he wants, do anything he wants to do, he's got the money for it, and be the most dissatisfied, disappointed man in the world. I know whereof I speak. I've met some of them. Their lives with all their money. their lives are absolutely empty. Nothing satisfies them. Nothing satisfies them. Or it may be they're worshipping their idol of gold, of money. But they never have peace. They never have satisfaction. And they know that one of these days, death is going to come in. And they've got to leave it all behind. Then what? Then what? You see, friend, the first thing we need to do is to come in the right relationship with God. Whether you're a man or a beast, You're under the sentence of death. Death reigns today. As I said in one of the preceding classes, you know, one of the preceding broadcasts, wherever you find sin, you find death. Death and sin are interlocked. The wages of sin is death. So that sinner that shall die. You can't change it. You just simply can't change it. You can do anything you want to, but you can't change it. Sin death go together. Sin and death go together. Then what? And man can't by himself save himself. And you can't stand before God in behalf of somebody else, and they can't stand before God instead of you. You've got to stand before God by yourself in your sin, in your unbelief. But God has made the provision That which you and I could not do, God has done in the person of his Son. Oh, how wonderful to know, as Paul could say in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in your liberty, wherewith Christ hath made you free. Not license, liberty, freedom to glorify God, freedom to sacrifice for God, freedom to give up things for God, if need be, to glorify God. What a life peace, joy, satisfaction, <laughs> a life without fear. Oh, I tell you, friends, the older I get, the more I realize the marvel, the marvel of salvation. And I'll say very frankly, we only know in part, there's not a man on the face of the earth, I don't care who he is, has begun to even touch the fringe of, of the wonderful truths of the grace of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ, God's Son. You can study this book for a hundred years, and even then, even then, you still only know in part. You see, we're limited. Unless the Spirit of God reveals truth to us, we'll never know it. Truth is never revealed. Spiritual truth is never revealed. By research. By human, by human activities, spiritual truth is revealed by the Spirit of God. Oh, but you—you've been saying we should study our Bibles. That's right. As we go into the Word of God, the Spirit of God then begins to to feed us according to our capacity to receive truth. But in the final analysis, it's the Spirit of God that must make that truth real to your heart. And how God I am when I come to this thirteenth chapter. God says the first ones are mine, are mine, are mine. And if you want to keep that cult, you've got to redeem it with a lamb. If you don't redeem it with a lamb, you'll break its neck. That is, you break the cult's neck. But the, the cult is immediately freed from the sentence of death through the death of the lamb. Every, everyone who receives a Savior, I don't care who they are, they're immediately set free. From the fear of death. They set free from the guilt and penalty of sin. They become God's children, God's people, eternal. I tell you, friend, I'm so glad that I'm saved. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that I'm saved. Now, we're starting in at verse 17 and running through verse 22. You yeah, have where God begins to lead his people out, It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. Now, if you take a map, and to go from Egypt into Canaan, the logical way would be to go up by the coast through the land of the Philistines, and in a few weeks they would have been in the land of Israel. But says, God, they're not. They're just a race of slaves. They know nothing of warfare. They've just been slaves. And when they see these warlike Philistines, they'll dash back to Egypt. They'll return to Egypt. Verse 18, But God led them, the people, about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for you had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. That's the last chapter of the book of Genesis. You'd remember that, that Joseph uh, took an oath of the people of Israel, that when they went back to the land belonging to them, promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and so on, they would take his bones out of Egypt and bury them in Canaan. Verse 20, And they took their journey from Succoth, and encamped in Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. Now, God led them, we're going to see in the next chapter, that God led them into a trap. (laughs) You mean God led them into a trap? He certainly did. What for? To show his power. To who? both the Egyptians and the Israelites. Believe me, my friend, even today, God is still on the throne. God is working all things out after the counsel of his own will. Did you hear me? Sometimes when I look at the nations of the earth today, when I look at our own nation, my heart is heavy. And we Christians, by the way, ought to pray more and more for our own land, which God has so amazingly blessed. But we're following a pattern, and we're following the path of the other nations, and they've gone down the drain, and that's where we'll go if we keep on the way we're going. If ever we of God's people need to pray For our country for our leaders it's today and God wants us to do that but when I think of Israel God led them into a trap what for because God wanted to reveal himself in his power his authority not only to Israel but to the nations around that they might know that Jehovah the God of Israel is the only true and living God I will take it up our next lesson, starting in at verse 30 of chapter 13 and going to chapter 14 of their deliverance at the Red Sea. And may the Lord cause you to read these chapters through, and may the Spirit of God open up your heart to these spiritual truths that He has for us. And the Lord bless you today for His wonderful name's sake.
0: God's grace Grace that is greater than all my say And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.